Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. As we seek to learn from the Ephesian church found in Acts, we see that they are a community founded in Christ and Christ alone, despite the pull toward other idols of their day. What idols ingrained in our identity do we need to give up? In this week's Message of the Week, we begin a worship series titled Trajectory from Our Origin to Us. With every origin, there must be a foundation. Today, Pastor Bryce Blank shares from the 19th chapter of the book of Acts and gives us a glimpse of the foundation that sparked the first followers of Jesus to act. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. Our scripture today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 19, verses 1 through 12. And I would invite you to open your pew Bible or pull up the Bible app on your phone or follow along with us on the screen. So starting chapter 19, verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took a route through the interior and came to Ephesus, where he found some disciples. He asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you came to believe? They replied, We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And then he said, What baptism did you receive then? They explained, John's baptism. And Paul explained, John baptized with the baptism by which people showed they were changing their hearts and lives. It was a baptism that told people about the one who was coming after him. This is the one in whom they were to believe. This one is Jesus. Now, after they listened to Paul, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came onto them, and they began speaking in other tongues or languages and prophesying. Altogether, there were 12 people. Paul went to the synagogue and spoke confidently for the next three months. He interacted with those present and offered convincing arguments concerning the nature of God's kingdom. Some people had closed their minds, though. They refused to believe and publicly slandered the way. As a result, Paul left them, took the disciples with him, and continued his daily interactions in Tyrannus's lecture hall. This went on for two years, so that everyone living in the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the Lord's word. God was doing unusual miracles through Paul. Even the small towels and aprons that had touched his skin were taken to the sick, and their diseases were cured, and the evil spirits left them. This is the word of God spoken today. So as I mentioned in our time of young disciples, this time of year, and specifically this weekend, is the time when we celebrate Pentecost, being the time that we remember the Holy Spirit coming into the world. And as it's accounted earlier in our book of Acts, we see that the disciples are gathered, that the Holy Spirit descends in this rush of wind and fire, and that the crowds gather there start to speak in all of their native tongues. They're kind of a a collection of people from all different places. And wherever they're from, they start to speak that language. Yet even though they are all speaking different languages, 
they are able to understand each other. It is this great event that really marks the fulfillment of Jesus' promise to the disciples that an advocate would be sent on his behalf. It is this moment that we celebrate today, knowing that the Spirit of God, known as the Holy Spirit, is present in our world. That Jesus, the light of the world, left the world and ascended into heaven, but God's presence remains and is felt with God's people on earth. And so while we baptize individuals with the symbols of water that mark the cleansing of souls and the introduction into God's family, the church's baptism, the collection of God's people, we are baptized by the Holy Spirit by the fire of the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, that does mean that we can say as a church, we were baptized by fire. Just want to point that out. (laughs) And so, again, that is also why we decorate with red and with a dove and with fire on a day that we are celebrating Pentecost. Now, our sermon series over the next several weeks, like Pentecost, is a chance for us to learn from our roots and to be reminded of who we are and who we have been as followers of Jesus Christ and as the church today. We'll be looking at the trajectory of the church and how the challenges, the struggles, the joys, the triumphs, and the practices of the early church have shaped who we are today in 2023. My hope is that we will be inspired as a church as we see the amazing things that God has been doing all the way back from our origins to us. Today, like any good builder, we start by laying the foundations of that exercise. And so we're going to learn today from the earliest challenges of the people of God as they strive to follow Jesus after his death and resurrection on the cross. Now, our scripture is toward the end of the book of Acts, and we see the apostle Paul interacting with these Christian believers. And you may have seen, as we read through our scripture today, that Christians at that time, the Christian movement, or anybody who belonged to a church or a community who followed Jesus, they were known as the way. And so if you read the way, that is referring to that body of believers that we know and claim ourselves today as Christians. And so Paul is traveling through Ephesus, and he comes across these disciples, and he asks them, have you received the Holy Spirit when you first came to believe Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And they respond, we don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. They're very confused. They don't even know what Paul is talking about. And so Paul further asks them, well, if not the Holy Spirit, what kind of baptism did you receive? to which they respond, John's baptism. Now, this kind of makes sense because those who were baptized by John the Baptist, they were baptized with the promise that there would be a Savior coming. But if they kind of missed out on Jesus when he was around, if they were too far removed, and if they hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit coming into the world, their baptism still would have laid within that promise that John had given them. And so that is why they say, I've been baptized in the name of John the Baptist. And so Paul 
quickly explains to them, and we don't read in our text that this happens, but I imagine there is a discussion. There's a lot of questions going on as Paul talks to them about who Jesus is and what Jesus did and how that shows God's love. And then going on to talk about the Holy Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit into the world and what that means is God's presence is in the world with God's people. And so after they have heard and discussed with Paul, these believers decide to be baptized there on the spot in the name of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as they do so, we hear that they begin to speak in different languages and prophesying as the Holy Spirit comes on to them. And again, speaking in different languages and prophesying, as we read throughout all of the scriptures in the New Testament, is a sign that the Holy Spirit is present in that moment, that the Holy Spirit is with those present. Now, this interaction of baptism is one of the foundations of our faith. Baptism and the welcoming of the Holy Spirit, God's work into our lives. We've mentioned several times over the last several weeks about this declaration of our faith in Jesus Christ. That in baptism, we accept the claim as God's children, as we seek to follow Jesus all of our life. We celebrated last weekend with those who had been baptized outside on a Wednesday night. We've talked about it a few other times leading up to that. And we understand it is something foundational. Now, after this baptism of these disciples in Ephesus, Paul goes on to preach in the synagogues there, their places of worship. And he actually stays there for three months, as we read, and he offers them insight on who Jesus is and what God has done and who these people are called to be. And in this moment, the boldness of the gospel message kind of fuels an energy and a growth to this early Christian movement known as the way. And we see that Paul makes a lot of great headway in spreading the news about Jesus during this time. It's one of the best examples we have of evangelism or bringing others to Christ. And as Paul is preaching, he finds that with all this momentum, he still faces people who are skeptical. They are closed off to hearing what he has to say about Jesus We read that some people are even openly gossiping or putting down or overall bad-mouthing this Christian movement known as the way. However, that doesn't deter Paul, not even a little bit. He continues on, filled with the power and the energy of the Holy Spirit. And if he comes across someone who doesn't want to listen, he moves on. He takes his disciples and moves to someone who does with hopes that God will work in that person to bring about the truth of Jesus. And so over the next two years, we see that Paul is very effective in spreading this Christian movement. Every community he goes to, everywhere he preaches, people hear the good news of Jesus. All over the continent of Asia, we read, both Jews and Greeks alike know the truth of Jesus. We even hear that miracles are performed from the cloths and the aprons that Paul used as they are wiped on someone to heal them and cast out evil spirits. 
God is working with Paul and these communities, and specifically this community in Ephesus. However, this story with all this great momentum changes later in Scripture. Now, we didn't read the section that I'm about to talk about today, but I think it's very important for us to know kind of the full story of where this goes. Because the people of Ephesus, while they had heard about Jesus, they were immediately turned over to him. They offered themselves as his disciples, and we had all this positive momentum. Eventually, that wears off a little bit, and they start to have doubts. They start to become distracted. And eventually, those who are against the Christian movement or who didn't want to hear it in the first place become a little threatened and they get a little bit violent. They get a little bit more aggressive. And those who had committed themselves to Christ begin to revert back to their old ways of worshiping false idols. And we read about this man named Demetrius. He's a blacksmith and he specializes in making idols for worship. And he realizes that this movement, this information about this Jesus guy that Paul is spreading to this community is actually pretty bad for his business because it means that others are no longer in need of buying a physical idol to worship. And so being concerned about his bottom line, that his business is going under because his services are no longer needed, and also the fact that he worships himself, the goddess Artemis, they decide that, they, that he, he decides that he won't stand for it. And so Demetrius begins to convince those who Paul had already talked to and those in the city of Ephesus to start pushing back even more against this Christian movement. Start resisting the words that Paul is speaking. Start uh, pushing back against those who call themselves members of the way. And tensions eventually get to a climax, and a, a, this giant violent riot ends up breaking out in the city. And it turns out that two of Paul's traveling companions get seized in this giant riot and they're kind of held captive by those who are against the way. It's this big, violent, kind of chaotic, dramatic event. And we see that Paul really wants to rush out and to help his friends. But those who are with him decide, no, we are going to hold you back because if you go out into those crowds, your life will be threatened. That's how violent, that's how high stakes this has become. Now, eventually, a city manager comes out and he helps bring order to this crowd that has gathered, that is rioting. And he forces Demetrius, who's kind of the leader of this group, to settle his disputes with Paul and any of his disciples in a much more lawful manner. And this eventually does kind of cool the crowd and they disperse and go back to their business. And shortly after this, we hear that Paul leaves that community and goes to do ministry in Macedonia. And throughout his travels, he continues to go on to all these other places, spreading the news of God. And we see that he continues to face many challenges, like this riot that happens in Ephesus. And those instances are kind of in stark contrast from that hope 
and that positivity that was present in that early baptism of those believers who became disciples of Jesus Christ. So the question for us is this, what can we learn from the early church, our origins, that can be applied to our lives now in 2023? How are our challenges here at First Church and as Christians today similar to those of the church of Ephesus? Well, as it turns out, we do share a lot in common with those early Christians, whether we realize it or not. Like the Ephesians, we can become distracted. There are so many people and things that demand our attention, our time, our resources, our loyalty. And before we know it, before we even realize what's happening, we might find ourselves with little room left in our lives for Jesus. We might find that we have wandered down a path completely void of God's presence. We let our bad habits and our brokenness guide our lives rather than God. Like the Ephesians, we can give to the people and the things of this world that directly counter who we are and who we are called to be as Christians. We put our political parties or our jobs or our worldly comforts over God. We might find ourselves yelling out encouragement and support for a sports team or a political party over the salvation that we receive through Jesus Christ. Whether it's good food or TV and streaming services or sports or fashion or social media or the newest trend or the coolest gadget, those things become our idols that we worship. God is replaced by the next big thing, and Jesus becomes only this mortal guide rather than the Lord of our life. Like the Ephesians, we make decisions based on the way something will benefit us rather than how it will impact others. We find ourselves like the blacksmith, caring only about the bottom line rather than the lives of those who could be saved. Despite the powerful love we witness in the life of Jesus, we care only about the power of money in our life. These are the challenges we face, much like the Ephesians faced. These are not easy things to overcome. Like the early disciples, we need to deny ourselves, which means giving up on what we think we need most in order to follow God, who is all that we need. That is a tall hill to overcome. That is a big mountain to climb, or as the cool kids say, that struggle is real. (laughs) So how do we do this? How do we resist the temptation to give into the distraction and the worldly things and the easy decisions that leave us hollow on the inside? Well, like building structures built to last, again, it starts with a firm foundation. So first church, if we are to last, we must be founded in Jesus Christ. We must be founded in Christ alone. 
If we are to resist everything that tempts us away from God, we must be founded in Jesus. Jesus above all. Jesus must be our standard. Not money, not fame, not social status, not comfort or entertainment, not political party. Whatever idol you wrestle with, and I know we all have those idols in our lives, we must set them aside. Jesus must be our foundation that we pour our life on. So on this day that we remember Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit into the world, give yourself over to God's work. Reach out, talk to God. Let the fire of passion in Jesus move you to action. Be like Paul. Move past those who seek to deter you. Don't listen to people telling you you don't need Jesus. Share your experience about Jesus and let God do the rest. It's not going to be easy all the time, but you will know who you are as a child of God. So remember your baptism. Remember our baptism as a church and let that be your foundation. Let us pray. Holy God, we face many challenges in the world around us. We face many things that pull us away from you. And like the church in Ephesus, it is very easy for us to lose our way, to become distracted, and to meet with violence and tension those who oppose you. So God, we ask that you would help us today to put you as our foundation, to let Jesus be the only guide in our lives. We need your help in doing this. We need your help in setting aside our false idols. We need your help in making you a priority in our lives above everything else. So help us in this today and our days to come. We humbly ask this in the name of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.